Johnson & Johnson is a company that's woven into the fabric of America. It makes everything from pharmaceuticals to some of the most well-known healthcare products. If you put on a Band-Aid when you were a kid, you were putting on a Johnson & Johnson branded product. A lot of people grew up with their parents using Johnson's baby shampoo and Johnson's baby powder. So it's, it's really part of how we take care of ourselves. Our colleague John Rockoff edits health and science coverage. And he says in the past few years, the company's been trying to expand its vaccine business, most recently with its COVID-19 vaccine. But yesterday... Out of an abundance of caution, we're recommending a pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Food and Drug Administration said cases of blood clotting were found in a handful of patients who got the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. Six cases of a rare and severe type of blood clot following vaccine administration. We're recommending this pause while we work together to fully understand these events. What the FDA and the CDC were recommending is that the sites that are administering the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, that they just hold off and take a breather and wait on administering any more vaccines until we can get our heads around this clotting issue. The blood clotting cases represent an extremely small portion of the number of people vaccinated with the J&J shot, less than one in one million. And it's still not clear whether the vaccine caused the blood clots. But the pause has caused a hiccup in the vaccine rollout at a critical moment in the pandemic. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, April 14th. Coming up on the show, what the troubles for Johnson & Johnson mean for the country and the pandemic. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Johnson & Johnson is a relatively new player in the world of vaccines. As famous and big as it is, and as much as it stretches across so much of healthcare, vaccines were always sort of a sideshow for the company. Before COVID, the company had only dabbled in vaccines. Johnson & Johnson, during the Ebola outbreak several years ago, worked on an Ebola vaccine. But it wasn't really fundamental or core to their business. And when the pandemic hit, Johnson & Johnson, to its credit, for the good of the world, decided to mobilize and develop a COVID-19 vaccine. How did people react when they heard that Johnson Johnson would be making a COVID vaccine? Even though they're not a big vaccine player, they're Johnson & Johnson. And when it was authorized, all the folks in public health were really excited because unlike the vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, the first two authorized vaccine, Johnson & Johnson's vaccine is one dose. The other vaccines are two doses. The other vaccines have to be stored at really cold temperatures. 
Johnson & Johnson's doesn't. That's important because it would make Johnson & Johnson's vaccine much easier to distribute. And so for a lot of public health folks, especially those in more remote areas or at hospitals that lack all the special refrigerator capacity or who didn't want to deal with the logistical challenges of scheduling second doses, we were really looking forward to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So people thought that it was going to be a key part of vaccinating all of the sort of nooks and crannies of not just the U.S., but also the world. That's right. But that hope started to wither over the past few months. It started with another vaccine maker, AstraZeneca. A couple months ago, AstraZeneca's vaccine started running into problems. We started seeing signals that blood clotting was an issue, first with the AstraZeneca vaccine, And the key thing to keep in mind is both the AstraZeneca vaccine and Johnson & Johnson's vaccine use a similar kind of technology. And that started to set off some alarm bells. We were all like, hmm, that's very interesting. We're wondering whether there's an issue with Johnson & Johnson's vaccine, too. The technology that both these vaccines use is new. It's called viral vector technology. Viral vector vaccines have the same goal as traditional vaccines— But instead of injecting the patient with a weakened version of the actual virus, it uses a different approach. The viral vector vaccines use genetic code, DNA, and they insert that into a cell and they direct the cell to make proteins like the proteins that you see on that foreign invader, the virus. In other words, a viral vector vaccine takes a harmless virus, like, say, a cold virus, and splices in DNA from the threatening virus, which then delivers instructions to cells in the body to help build up an immune response. So in the case of the coronavirus, the DNA codes for the spikes that jut from the surface of the coronavirus. And when the cells make these proteins, then the immune system mobilizes so that once it sees these proteins, it can mount a defense against them. So was the pandemic sort of a first test for this new technology? It wasn't the absolute first test, but it was one of the first tests. I mean, I would say the technology was relatively unproven. So we're starting to see with these viral vector vaccines use among far more people than we ever saw before. And that's why it's not surprising that there might be some safety issues that would appear in real-world use. Those potential safety issues revealed themselves yesterday when the CDC and FDA announced that Johnson & Johnson would have to pause injections of its vaccine to investigate potential risks of blood clotting. This made it the second viral vector vaccine to be called into question. So what's the theory at the moment about why these viral vector vaccines could be causing blood clotting? You know, I'm not sure that we have a firm handle on exactly what's going on, but there's a suspicion, there's been some research, that use of the vaccines is somehow causing an autoimmune reaction. An autoimmune reaction is when you've mobilize the immune system so much it goes out of control and it does things that we don't want it to do. It attacks healthy tissue or things like that. As regulators and researchers try to figure out whether there's a link between the J&J vaccine and the reports of blood clotting, the country is grappling with what this possible risk could mean for the country's ability to get out of the pandemic. That's after the break. 
This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Could the pausing of the J&J vaccine affect the U.S.'s ability to get out of the pandemic? So there's a couple of different factors at play here, which lead a lot of public officials and public health officials to be optimistic that the U.S. is going to come out of this undisturbed by this Johnson & Johnson issue. Pfizer and Moderna, which have the other two vaccines authorized in the U.S., they've been really ramping up production. So even without the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, we were getting into a really good place. But the thing is, Johnson & Johnson's vaccine really filled some important gaps for people, especially people in college or people in hard-to-reach areas or people in underserved communities that don't have good health infrastructure. Now, what the Biden administration is saying is that we're good that we don't need the Johnson Johnson vaccine to vaccinate all eligible adults. I made sure we have 600 million doses of the MR, not of either Johnson and Johnson and or AstraZeneca. So there's enough vaccine that is basically 100% unquestionable for every single solitary American. But if we don't have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and it's unclear whether the FDA will say we can't use it at all, we'll have to see. But if we don't have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or its use is sharply curtailed, that will really put pressure on Pfizer and Moderna to hit their production targets and on public health authorities nationwide in all corners of the United States to have the infrastructure in place to deliver these mRNA vaccines. But even if the Johnson & Johnson vaccine can come back online and contribute once again to the vaccine supply, the questions around safety, which have been raised by these blood clotting reports, could have lasting effects. If you hear, no matter how rare, that use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine causes blood clots, it's natural to think, oh my gosh, are all the vaccines safe? Am I really taking a life-threatening risk by getting vaccinated? Now, we know the answers are much more complex than that. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is entirely different from the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, but the challenge for public health people is to be able to communicate that to folks who are already hesitant to get vaccinated. And so now we've got this situation where public health professionals and drug industry officials are walking a kind of tightrope where they're trying to emphasize that they are vigilant for safety, mindful of potential issues with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, while emphasizing 
the safety of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and the need to get them. Johnson & Johnson has said they're working with health officials to determine whether the vaccine is safe to use. And on one level, Johnson & Johnson is no stranger to dealing with these kinds of crises. For instance, back in the 80s, Johnson & Johnson had to pull Tylenol off shelves after someone tampered with pills and laced them with cyanide. Their efforts to restore public trust became a business school case study in how companies should deal with a crisis. In other ways, though, this is very new territory for J&J. This vaccine isn't like Tylenol, a product they've made for years and years. J&J just started making vaccines a few years ago, and the COVID vaccine is one of their first. They're having to figure out how to restore trust in a product that's new for them. That's a learning curve that AstraZeneca, the other vaccine maker facing blood clot concerns, has struggled to overcome. There's been a number of episodes where they've had trouble communicating results from their vaccine trials, communicating in really confusing ways. And that also can speak to a lack of experience, right? Because the regulatory issues around vaccines can be different than they are around the kinds of drugs that AstraZeneca has experience in. And now here we are with Johnson & Johnson. And we shouldn't say that Johnson & Johnson's inexperience has caused a safety issue. That's not what we're talking about. But it will be interesting to see how Johnson & Johnson, which doesn't have a lot of experience in vaccines, handles this really important safety event going forward. How could Johnson & Johnson reassure the government and also the public that their vaccine is safe if the FDA does say that it can proceed? I think the challenge for the regulators and for Johnson & Johnson is how to talk about the vaccine and its risks after a decision is made on whether we should go ahead with use. That's a much different conversation than the one we've had where we were talking about how these vaccines are generally safe. You may get a headache, pain around the injection site, You might feel fluish, fatigue, and other flu-like symptoms the day after you get vaccinated. But the vaccine is generally safe. That's not the same as saying you have to be vigilant for life-threatening blood clots and low platelet counts. And the stakes for restoring public trust and getting the J&J vaccine back in circulation are high. Because John says the moment that we're in in the pandemic means we need to inoculate people as fast as possible. It turns out that viruses are a lot like people or animals in a lot of ways, that they want to survive. And so if they see that their hosts, people, are getting vaccinated and developing immunity, they're going to do everything they can to try and get around that. And so we're concerned that the variants could evolve even further and become more elusive and the vaccines might not work as well against them. It's hard not to be afraid when you see that there is this potentially very dangerous blood clotting issue that could happen if you take this vaccine. But should people be at least reassured by the process that the government is watching what's happening, they are taking any possible concerns seriously, and that they are investigating this, even if it is just a handful of people out of several million who have developed this? Yeah, I think that should be one of the takeaways is that the reason why we're seeing the FDA and the CDC issue this kind of statement so quickly, despite all the concerns about what it will mean for getting people vaccinated and 
overcoming hesitancy is because they're trying to put safety first and public relations is not an overriding issue. I think what the FDA and the CDC wanted to do by issuing the statement and recommending this pause was just to alert everybody that if you've got the vaccine, if you got it within the last few weeks and you experience any of these side effects, you should tell your doctor right away. It's hard to tell people, you know, your relative risk is one in 500,000 or whatever it is, right? Because if it happens to you, it happens to you. And that's really, really meaningful. That's all for today, Wednesday, April 14th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Peter Loftus, Tom Burton, and Jared Hopkins. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.